Hi, good morning, everybody. My name is Sophia Cant, and I am with Stockton and Cant. We are an estate planning firm in the Kansas City area. We have offices in Overland Park and in Gardner. Yep. We've been here 23 years. Uh, my name is Glenn Stockton. I'm the uh, managing attorney and founder um, of the firm. So today's topic, uh, this is, and this is, we're really just getting this kicked off on this, but today's topic is going to be what is estate planning and why does it matter? Why do we care about this? So Sophia, why don't we start with this? Why don't you kind of define estate planning? Okay. So estate planning, what is estate? Well, estate is everything you own, your stuff. Um, and then estate planning would be you are planning and deciding what happens to your stuff. Um, so this can be upon while you are living, upon your incapacitation, and then upon your death as well. You know, and that is a basic definition that you hear used all the time, right? Your estate consists of everything you own and have title to. And when we're doing estate planning. We're planning for where that stuff goes at death, but we're also planning for what happens when you can't make decisions for yourself. But as you and I know, Sophia, estate planning does so much more than that if we're doing mm -hmm. it properly. So we're going to start breaking down over uh, time as to how this all um, works and go from there. So, um, so estate planning, what happens to your stuff in incapacity and death? Um, this idea has been around a while. Yeah, it has. So this idea came back. We can date the first estate plan done back in 2,548 uh, about B.C., um, and so it's the will of UI. Try to look this up, how to pronounce UI. If anybody here knows, let us know because I cannot find any pronunciation, any pronunciation on that um, online. So it is the oldest known will in existence. It was found in a tomb in Egypt um, and he leaves all of his property to his wife. So long time ago, this has been around for a long time. Um, so over 4,500 years ago, first will. Yep. Yep. So long time ago. Power of attorneys, that's something we'll get into in, in later episodes, but and power of attorney. Um, historians actually found the first power of attorney back in 561 BC. So that has also been around for a long time. Power of attorney is basically, you know, giving somebody the power to make decisions for you. So that's this whole idea of estate planning has been around for many, many years. Yeah, because it didn't matter. People across generations, across time have run into the same problem. When you die... What happens with your stuff? Stuff. Mm -hmm. Although I thought the Egyptians uh, thought they took it with them, so they were often buried with it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, misremembering my uh, world history. But regardless, estate planning has been around a long, long time, as is most of our laws. A lot of our laws, you know, have been around for a long time. They've been adapted and changing over the course of, of time. All right, let's bring it back current. Right. So it's been around since at least 4,500 years ago. But when we're doing estate planning now, let's start with why should people even care about this? Why, why do we worry about estate planning? Yeah. So, you know, maybe some people want to avoid probate. That's a big, big ticket item. So, you know, you can do estate planning, you can avoid probate that way. Maybe you want to prevent your children from fighting. Um, you, can, you can address that through estate plan. Maybe you want to protect your spouse or your children from costs and taxes associated with probate. Um, uh, you can do it through estate planning. You can protect against the government taking your home and other assets upon your death. 
You may also want to protect your children in the event of a divorce. So if your children divorce, we want to make sure that, you know, your, your property goes to your children, not the ex-spouse. Um, you also want to make sure that you don't go broke in a nursing home. So that's a way to address that through estate planning. And then, you know, lastly, you may just want to avoid being a burden to your family, to your loved ones. And you can address that through estate planning. You know, that is the number one thing that I hear when people come in as to why they come see me. And Sophie, I know it's the same thing with you. Is it's, you know, they don't want to be a burden. And sometimes they'll express that. I, you know, I don't want my family to have to go through probate because maybe they've gone through that with a loved one, their parents or some other family member. So, you know, that is the number one thing I hear is I don't want to be a burden. And we're going to talk about how to do estate planning right. Because if you don't do it right, you're going to blow this and you will be the burden. And so we're going to try to help direct you through there as how to avoid being that burden and getting it done um, correctly. I would just say, you know, when I talk to people about what is estate planning, I tell them a good way to think about estate planning is that you want to make sure that at death, your assets go to who you want, when you want, the way you want, with the least amount of cost, complexity, taxes involved, right? Keep it simple. Be comprehensive. None of us have a crystal ball, right? None of us know what the future holds. And I've been doing this long enough to tell you, I can't make the stuff up that happens in, in life. I try. Oftentimes I'll have killed people off different ways, but I'm telling you, I can't make stuff up. So keep it simple, but we want to be comprehensive. We want our assets to go to who we want, when we want, the way we want, least amount of costs and taxes. But as you said, we also want to plan what happens if we can no longer make decisions for ourselves. We become incapacitated that we choose who's going to make those decisions for us and that who's going to manage our assets for our benefit. So those are typically things that we want to make sure that we have in place. And we do that through the estate planning process. Um, and as you know, keep it simple, but simple does not mean necessarily just a, you know, three page document. I don't have a crystal ball. As I said earlier, you don't have one either. And you don't, you want to be prepared for whatever life throws at you. I don't ever want to have to tell a client or their loved ones, well, gosh, sorry, I didn't think that was going to happen. I didn't plan for it. Our jobs as the attorney is to make sure that we've covered all the what ifs, but just don't let the comprehensiveness of the plan get in the way of the simplicity of the plan. So we're going to cover all that in the planning process of, you know, whatever life can throws at you. Don't let it get away the simplicity. All right. So we're going to start with the three basic types of plans that are in place. And I talk about this frequently with people. We have the do nothing plan, right? Where I didn't get around to doing a state plan. And so what happens then? Then we have a will-based plan where the will is at the centerpiece of our um, estate plan. And then we have a trust-based plan. Those are our three basic types of plans. So Sophia, why don't you start us off and walk through each of these? So let's start off with what happens for those people who haven't got around to doing their planning? I, I know I need to, but I just haven't got around to doing it yet. So if you're in the do nothing plan, what does that look like? You are what we call a procrastinator. So if you are doing the do nothing plan, well, that's okay. The state has a plan for you. Um, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get out of this. So the state has a plan for you. We are located in, in Kansas. So uh, we're going to speak about what Kansas has in place for you. But most states are very similar in their laws. So the do nothing plan. What happens if you do nothing? Well, the judge in the black robe 
is going to decide what happens to your to your thing. So, um, you know, the first thing to think about is your incapacitation. What happens when you can't make decisions for yourself anymore? You lose that ability. Well, you're going to now have to somebody's going to have to file a petition to the judge asking to for the judge to appoint somebody to manage your affairs now that you no longer have that ability to make those decisions. So we're going to have to initiate some guardianship and conservatorship proceedings. This is where somebody comes in and they manage your things for you while you're living. And then they make decisions for you, kind of like a parent makes a decision for a minor. You're going to have somebody that comes in and makes those decisions for you. So the judge gets to decide that. And this then, is the probate judge, correct? Right. Yep. You're this is probate. probate. This is what we call living probate. So upon your life, we're still going through, through probate. Then upon your death, now we're still in that do nothing plan. Now that judge gets to decide again what happens to your things. Now, most people would assume that if you're married, all of your stuff goes to your spouse, right? But that's not the case, at least in Kansas, that's not the case. And most states, as I said, again, are very similar. But half, at least half of your stuff will go to your spouse, but the rest of it will not. So if you are in that do nothing plan, that's what's going to happen. The state's going to decide that for you. Right. Because the spousal share is only 50%, right? So spouse gets 50% and the other 50% is divided equally among the kids. So if you got one kid, the other half goes that one kid. If you got three kids, 50% to the spouse, the other 50% divided equally among the three children that you have. That's if you have one child, if you have one child who's on drugs or who is very irresponsible, guess what? They still receive their share. There's nothing that, you know, you can do about that at that point. So the do nothing plan, and this is what starts the, the state legislatures, and like you said, across the country have come up with, you know, what happens when we don't plan. And they're all very similar. You know, Missouri is very similar to Kansas. The spouse comes out slightly better um, than the doing Kansas in that scenario, but very, very similar. Um, but they've, they've come up with that plan. We're guaranteeing probate. And as you know, Sophia, it's going to be the most expensive probate that we will have typically when we don't do any planning. All right. Hopefully we can all agree the do nothing plan is not the plan we want. Because if the number one reason people come see us is I don't want to be a burden and you don't get around to doing the planning, you've blown it. Absolutely blown it. You're going to be a burden. And you've just told your loved ones, you go figure it out. You get to the court and, and they, they get the uh, admission ticket to the probate court to have fun. All right. So do nothing plan. Let's talk now about what a will based plan looks like. Okay. Okay. So a will, well, that's just a legal document with a lot of legal formality. So that's what a will is. Um, and as discussed earlier today, we said that wills have been around for a very long time. So it's, a, it's an ancient idea. Um, but the will answers that question of who gets what. So it's a death document only. It doesn't decide anything, you know, how your property is to be held and managed during your lifetime does nothing for you while you're alive. So it simply tells the court who is going to get what. And then we also can name the person in charge. That's the executor or the personal representative so that they're in charge of wrapping everything up. Um, so if we become incapacitated, the will again does not address that. And we are back to that do nothing plan again. And now we're needing guardianships and conservatorships set up through the court, through the probate court. So obviously, if we have a will, we're going to want some other documents because the will only comes into play at death and answers the question mm -hmm. of who gets what. Absolutely. Of course, while we're alive. 
Does a will avoid probate? Absolutely not. A will by its very nature requires probate. So you prepare this will up and now it has to go be filed in with the court and go through the probate process. So yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, they don't understand that. They think they're doing a will to avoid probate um, and don't realize, no, no, if you're passing property by way of a will, you are guaranteeing that we're going to through probate. Um, so any property passing by a will goes through probate. And I think most of us, if we think about it, know that, right? Because we've heard you got to admit the will of probate and you get to go file with the court and the court has to have hearings. You know, they require the um, the proposed executor to send out um, copies of the wills to all the beneficiaries or at least notice and, and uh, to all the uh, um, beneficiaries of the will, but also then to all the heirs of law, the people that would have taken up the do nothing plan. And because right. uh, they may come in and say, wait a minute, that's the 2002 will. There was another one done in 2012 or wait a minute, that was done under you know, duress or you know, they, they weren't competent or whatever their things. But once the court's convinced that they've got a valid will in place, then they appoint the executor. All right. So it right. guarantees probate. It does nothing for us while we're alive. But the advantage of the will over the do nothing plan is... What is that you get to decide, right? Who gets your stuff and who is appointed to manage that, that process. Right. So whereas the state plan, it's, you know, half to spouse, half to children. That's the only options we have. You have no spouse or, or children. Let's just say it gets interesting, but again, you don't have any choice in that. But when we have a will-based plan, we can decide who gets what. We can leave everything to our spouse. If our spouse survives us, if not the kids, nieces, nephews, you know, you can leave money to your next door neighbor, your church, your favorite charity, your favorite attorney. That's always my favorite choice. Right. Yeah. But I All will right. say another thing about a will to know is that it is a public, you know, process. And so everything that you have is public knowledge upon your death. So it is a very public uh, process and, you know, can't keep those secrets anymore. Your nosy neighbor, they get to know everything. Right, right. They go in. And so the do nothing plan and the will both guarantee that we're going through um, probate. And uh, uh, we'll talk in in the future about probate and why we want to avoid that. But I always tell people, uh, you know, my definition of probate is think of a probate as a lawsuit you file against yourself after you're dead using your own money for the benefit of your creditors. So um, and we'll talk about why that is, but that's uh, one way to think about it. And most people that come in, as we said earlier, come in with the idea that we want to avoid probate. All right. So we've talked about the do nothing plan. We've talked about the uh, will based plan. The third way that we can organize a plan is with a mm -hmm. trust. So walk us through what is a trust and, and how do they work? Mm -hmm. So a trust is... Uh absolutely my favorite kind of estate plan. I know most estate planning attorneys, that's if everyone could have a trust, we would love for everyone to have a trust. It is where you get a lot of power um, in decision-making. So a trust, if you think of a trust, think of it like a family safe. So you have this safe and you can put all of your assets into that safe now during your lifetime while you have capacity you put all of your assets in there and then you appoint somebody to have you know has that key to the family safe so while you are living and you have capacity you can always have that key you have the ability to put stuff in the trust take stuff out of the trust you have you can make all the decisions you are in full control 
of your affair, of your estate. And then upon your incapacitation, now you're handing that key off to whoever you've decided. That would be to a trustee. So whoever you've appointed as that successor trustee, they get to have that key now and they get to manage your stuff, your estate um, and however you've decided and however you've told them to do that. And then lastly, that would be upon your death, same kind of thing. So you're now handing that trust, that key off to the trustee and they are managing your estate for, you know, your family, whoever you've decided to receive your assets in the way that you wanted them to receive it. Right. So the most common type of trust out there, because we hear about all these different types of trust, revocable trust, irrevocable trust, you know, what's the most common type of trust that, that we run into? Mm -hmm. So the most common type of trust that we see is a revocable trust. And for a married couple, you'll see that, that as a joint revocable trust, you can have one trust for, uh, for a married couple. Um, so that's the most common type we see. There's lots of other types of trust and for lots of different reasons, but that's the most straightforward kind of one that you will see. Right. So think of a trust as the safe, a uh, joint revocable living trust, husband and wife. They're both the joint trust makers and they generally each keep a key. So they've got their joint trustees and they've decided who's got the backup key in the event that they're no longer capable of acting on their own behalf they've given the backup key to somebody um else that uh of their choosing so with a trust do does a state plan apply what happens to assets at death when you use a trust yeah you decide it that's whatever you decide whatever you wherever you want your assets to go to and however you want your assets to go to that person or entity you get to decide that if you want to leave all of your assets to a charity, you can do that. If you want to leave all of your assets to that, you know, neighbor, you can do that. You get to make that decision. Not only that, and one of the things I love about trust, and I'm like you, Sophie, I mean, our, our trust do things that we cannot do with any other kind of estate plan. I can do things with trust. I can protect for long-term care costs. I can make sure your assets go to who you want, when you want, the way you want. I can plan to minimize taxes. I can protect against remarriages, divorces, creditor protections, special needs. I can do all kinds of things with trust that I simply cannot do with wills. I cannot do them with beneficiary designations, but we can do them with a trust. But I'm not someone who believes, you know, everybody needs a trust, but certainly trust will do things for us. No other plan can. And for most people, they're want to get a, give a strong look um, to trust. Um, as we break it in. All right. So those are our three basic plans. Do The first two, the do nothing plan had to go through probate. The will-based plan had to go through probate. What about trust? Do trust have to go through probate? No, a trust does not have to go through probate. So very private document. Uh, you know, you don't have to share it with anybody except for the beneficiaries. They have to know that they're going to receive something, but it is a very private document. It does not have to go through probate. Right. Go to avoids probate. And really, I tell people the, the reason is, is if we look to what the function of probate, and I'm talking about probate at death, what the function of probate is, um, you know, probate's the process by which we take property that was titled in the some in the name of somebody who's now deceased. And the probate process is titled in the name of somebody who's alive. And the do nothing plan, the laws of intestacy are going to dictate to who's to receive that it's under the state plan. With a will, the will says who gets it, but how do we get their name on it, right? It said to my spouse or to my kids. Well, if, you know, how do we get their name on the title? 
if it wasn't already there. Well, that's what the probate process does. But with a trust, it's titled in the name of the trust while you're alive and well. It's titled in the name of the trust at your incapacity. It's titled in the name of the trust that the first spouse died, titled in the name of the trust at the second. And with trust, we can protect a lot for the beneficiaries. We can say, you know, put handcuffs on the kids. You can only access, you know, one third of the time of death, one third, five years later, you know, things like that. You know, the final third, uh, you know, five years after that, we can say it's only available for, you know, health, education, uh, maintenance, support. Um, we can do a lot of things. We can make sure that when it passes on our kids, it's divorce protected, bankruptcy protected, credit protected. And you simply cannot do that with wills. You simply cannot do that into the do nothing plan. And the other big one, and this is where I think when, you know, and, and Sophia, you've reviewed a lot of trust over the years as I have. People will bring me trust. They, it doesn't matter if they downloaded it off the internet, drafted up themselves, or had another attorney draft them up. The vast majority of estate plans that, that we review, when I'm sitting there reviewing, I'm going through it, I may be going, looking good, looking good, but I get into, you know, the, the end game, the final game, or, you know, and I don't think they've thought this stuff through. And one of the things that typically is not mentioned at all, not even accidentally mentioned, is long-term care. You know, what happens if we need to go into nursing care, assisted living? Um, it's expensive. And with a trust, we can do a lot of planning for that so we don't go broke in a nursing home but the vast majority of people's trust, you know, don't even deal with that. And again, we'll talk in future episodes of why people, I think, don't plan for that and how we can use trust to leverage that, that kind of planning. All right. Anything more you want to say about these topics before we wrap up um, today's episode? I think these are just very, like we said, basic explanations of these types of different plans. We'll try to get into these plans in more detail in later episodes, but uh, we wanted to give you that wide um, view of estate planning. So hopefully that was helpful. All right. Well, guys, it, uh, I know you paid for your whole seat, but I think you've probably just been on the edge of it, only needed the edge of it today as we've been talking exciting stuff, uh, incapacity and dying. Um and uh, we'll uh, talk about these topics more next time because our next episode next week, we're going to talk about our living documents, right? Our powers of attorneys, HIPAAs, living wills, what we call our living documents. And so we'll be talking about that next week. So thank you for tuning in. Sophia, thank you for uh, helping me do this today. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week for the next episode of Life, Legacy, and the Law. Thanks, everybody.